0: Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen Wassalatu wassalamu ala Sayyidil Mursaleen Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi Wa baraka wasallama tasliman kathiran ila yawmiddin amma ba'd Ramadan is the month of the Quran as we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the Quran in two stages First, it was sent as a whole to the to the uh, the house of honor called the Beitul Izza. That is an exalted house of worship located in the heavens. It's also known as uh, Al Beitul Ma'mur. It's right above the Kaaba. So first, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala revealed it there. The Quran has existed from pre-eternity. The Quran is not something new that Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala created. This is the speech of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala and since time doesn't apply to Allah, if this is his speech, time cannot apply to it. So it cannot be created. But how we understand that is quite complicated. So we we our belief, the belief of the Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah is that the Quran is the eternal word of Allah. It's always existed with Allah. But then Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala had it revealed in Arabic in a way that we could understand. But initially, when Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala revealed it as a whole, He revealed it first to the Beitul Izza, and that is basically the Kaaba of the angels as well. It's considered to be directly above the Kaaba of the world. The second time that Quran descended and was revealed was obviously over the course of 23 years. And that was bit by bit, now in the Arabic, that we can understand. That's how it was revealed. How that was revealed is very interesting. The Prophet, for many, many weeks, months, he he started going to this cave in Makkah, Mukarramah. It says that his grandfather used to go to that cave before. It's quite high up. Those of you who've climbed up will know about this. It takes about an hour to climb up. For a lot of people it take about an hour to climb up and that's these days once it's, they've actually made kind of steps there. So he used to go there and he used to take some food with him, some provisions with him and he used to stay there. And what worship he used to do, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala knows best. Maybe it's some kind of reflection, introspection, whatever worship it was, it's not very, very clear about that. However, on one occasion, as he's there, he suddenly sees a form. That's the angel who first comes to him. He's never seen such a thing before. It's a very new experience, and it's actually a very incredible experience. So, this angel tells him the story is famous the angel tells him, Iqra, recite. Now, the Prophet ﷺ had not formally studied reading and writing. They spoke very well. The Arabs of that time spoke very well. There were just a few people who knew how to read and write. The majority didn't. There weren't schools in those days to teach reading and writing. It was a very oral culture. They spoke in a, in a very measured way, grammatically correct way, but they didn't know the rules of it. In fact, the rules of Arabic grammar only, were only uh, formulated together and gathered together and formulated together in Ali radiallahu anhu's time. So, but there were people who, who could write, that they had the script, the script was there, they could write, and so on and so forth. But not everybody knew how to write, so the Prophet said, I can't read. So the, the, the angel grabbed the Prophet and gave him a very strong embrace. And then he says, the Prophet said that it was like to the extreme, that I was just about able to bear it. Balaha minnil jahad, as the as the Arabic says. Then he let me go and then he says, read. And again I said, I don't know how to read. And again he embraced me again. Now the third time he said read, I said, Ma biqari. and that's the Arabic. Many have translated this as this time, instead of saying, see, ana biqari in an Arabic can mean I'm not a reciter, but it can also mean what should I recite? so it seems like in this last occasion we can take it in that meaning that okay what should i recite but by this time he'd been embraced very heavily by the angel so the angel said which is jibril alaihi salam iqra bismirabbikal ladhi khalaq read in the name of your lord who created al insana min alaq so first it talks about the nature of our creation created the human being from the alaq which basically means a clot of blood. Iqra wa akram. Recite, for your Lord is most benevolent. Reli- re- re- recite, for your Lord is most benevolent, most generous, most giving. Alladhi allama bil Then, very specifically, the discussion goes on to the pen that he taught with the use of the pen. Very significant. Now you have to remember, these, this is the first revelation. No revelation has come down before this directly. Yes, there's been dreams the Prophet ﷺ has been witnessing, no doubt, that's a form of revelation. But the first direct revelation of the Qur'an is this. There's no mention of the oneness of Allah. Yes, there's the mention of Allah, of the Lord, no doubt about that. But there's no mention of the oneness, the Tawheed, and there's no mention of Risalah, which basically means the messengership of the Prophet ﷺ. But the discussion is more about reading. It's about the pen. It's basically about the sources of knowledge. Because to understand Tawheed and Risala, you need a source of knowledge. For human beings, that's what we need. The Prophet ﷺ gets a direct revelation. The rest of us, we have to strive. We study, we listen, we read. That's how we get it. It's very interesting. So, the Prophet, ﷺ, now you have to remember, these words that were being recited were from. Iqra, bism, it's from the Qur'an, that's the first revelation of the Qur'an. Now you have to understand, as I explained before, the Qur'an is the divine word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu felt such an experience at this point. Later on he would say that on numerous occasions, whenever the revelation, because it came over 23 years, bit by bit, whenever he would receive the revelation, he would many times start sweating even if it was a cold day. If he was on an animal, he would have he would have to get off, or the animal have to sit down. One day he was just sitting, and a revelation started. And he had he was sitting cross-legged with his knee uh, on the thigh of the next person, the Sahabi. And the Sahabi said that I felt as if a mountain was on my on my thigh, because that was the pressure. Once the revelation would complete, then the Prophet ﷺ would be sweating, and then after that, it would be as if He's just come out of this particular phase, a very intense phase. The way we can understand this today, maybe, and again, this is not, but when you have to download something very heavy, right? It's essentially a download, then there's a filtration going on because these are the words of Allah coming through an angel. No human has ever touched those words, heard those words, learned those words before. They're being filtered into the hearts of the, hearts of the Prophet, they're being received rather downloaded into the heart of the Prophet then they will be spoken and Delivered to the rest of the masses in human speech afterwards Because until now it comes through the angel from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now then it's filtered through Now you can understand why it was so heavy that each time when he received the revelation. It was a massive experience That's one experience of just revelation But the experience that he must have gone through in terms of just receiving the revelation in the first place from Jibreel and that whole experience, that must have been something quite intense because when he came back from there, you know the story, he was trembling. He didn't know, it didn't seem clear how to interpret this experience. And his wonderful wife Khadija radiallahu anha, she calmed him down, she reassured him, she covered him up. When a person is trembling that's why we cover people up when they're trembling. it gives them a sense of comfort to be wrapped make gives them a sense of comfort it's natural for for that to happen that's why he said zammiluni zammiluni which basically means to cover me up to cover me up so thereafter that once this revelation then for another two to three years no more revelation came now the prophet was actually longing for this experience it was an amazing experience once you overcame the intensity of it, the uniqueness of it, the newness of it. Then after that, he was looking for it, but that's what you call the fatratul wahi. That period is called the pause in revelation, and then after that, the revelation started again. Ya al Ya yuhal muzammil. That's the next revelation because remember he had been covered. Now the Quran, as we read it today, Iqra bismi kaladi khalak is at the end uh, and Muzzammil uh, and Muddathir is just before that it's towards the end, it's not in the beginning. We have Surah Al-Fatiha at the beginning Why Suratul Surah Al-Fatiha at the beginning followed by Surah Al-Baqarah? There's many reasons for that so our first we included Surah Al-Fatiha that's why we discussed Surah Al-Fatiha today and we could essentially go on discussing Surah Al-Fatiha for, for a very long time because if you look at the tafsirs like Imam Qurtubi and so on, I mean they've dealt with whole volumes for just the one surah. It's that is how powerful a surah is. Reason is that Suratul Fatiha is almost like a thematic conclusion of the Quran, almost like a thematic. It it plays many roles, and that's why it actually has many many names. It plays a lot of roles, and you can actually study it from each of these perspectives. So firstly, it can it's called the Fatiha. Fatiha means to open. It's the opening. However, it was not revealed first, but one of the things for sure about Surah Al-Fatiha is that it was probably the first Surah to be revealed in its entirety. So while many verses were revealed before that from various different Surahs, I don't think there was any other complete Surah that was revealed until Fatiha. Surah Al-Fatiha was revealed. So Surah Al-Fatiha was revealed in its entirety as the first Surah. And not only that, It plays a number of roles, so it's the Fatiha, it's also the Ummul Kitab, which basically means the mother of the book because it includes and comprises of some of the most important, in fact the most important themes of the Quran. So for example, If we just to do a quick scan of the Fatiha, just so we understand, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, all praises to Allah, Lord of the Worlds. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, Lord of the Universe, Lord of all the Worlds. Essentially, Alameen refers to all the Worlds. Kingdom of the birds, Kingdom of the heavens, Kingdom of uh, the the human beings, Kingdom of the Jinn. Basically, every creation is a kingdom on its own and this is Alameen, all of them. He is the Lord of the world. all praise is to Him. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Ar-Rahman Rahim. Now immediately out of the 99 names or more names, the first focus is given Rahman Ar rahim which basically means the merciful uh, in, in two cents, m- uh, providing mercy in two cents. And there's a big discussion to that, the most merciful and the gracious. Maliki Yomidin. Now it, it basically talks about the future, something nobody has ever seen, which is basically the day of judgment. So he's the sovereign of the day of judgment. Now we get an understanding that all praise is to Him, because He's the Lord of the worlds. Lord here, we take the word Lord as just some kind of Master. But in Arabic, the word Rob is actually much more comprehensive than that. Because the word Rob, it comes from the word Tarbiya, which basically means to nurture. It doesn't mean just the Master. Nowadays, you have an understanding of the Master, He just owns everything. right? Others do the work. He just owns everything. He got lucky. Maybe his father was a lord or something. He becomes a lord. He just, he just basically has a good time. Allah, when we're talking about the lord here in Arabic of Rabb, Rabb means tarbiya, which means to nurture. This is what we're supposed to do with our children. Rabb and Tarbiya means to nurture somebody from step, basically step by step, according to the requirement of each stage, to bring them up. That's essentially what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does for all of us. So he is not just for us, for everybody. So now we understand that we have a belonging to him. He is the most merciful and he is the most gracious. That means immediately Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has dispelled this idea that you get these dictators, you get these people who own a lot who are sovereigns, but then who are dictators. There's nothing to fear. In fact, if you're going to receive anything from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's going to be mercy, it's going to be compassion and it's going to be generosity. That's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to tell us right from the beginning. So then, Ar-Rahmani, Ar-Rahim, Maliki, Now, you fast forward to the future, that there's not going to be any time when, we're gonna, when Allah is going to be indispensable. Basically, there's going to be no moment, no time, whether now or the future. He's already established the past, the, the present is being established, and the future is that on the Day of Judgment. He is the sovereign there is no other sovereign Malik and then allah says which is essentially telling us now this is where it's important that we understand the meaning of fatiha because mashallah many of us are reading fatiha for years and years and years but we don't know that now the dua now a, 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 a declaration begins which basically means that only you do we worship and only you do we seek assistance from we need assistance as human beings. Most, pretty much all human beings need one another, and that's why we don't. Each one of us doesn't do everything. We complement one another. One provides something, another provides another aspect of our life, and we buy and we purchase from one another. That's how the human society is made. But إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينُ, and then the du'a begins, which is إِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمَ. Guide us to the straight path. صِرَاطَ الَّذِينَ انْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ. Path of those whom you've showered your blessings upon. Not the two other categories of people. Essentially there's one category who Allah has showered his blessings upon. Then there are two other categories. The one category are those who went astray. And the third category went even further to actually become to invoke the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the second one actually the second one talks about anger being uh, caused to descend on such people. So we don't want to be part of that. That's basically the message of Surah Al-Fatiha. It's a very simple message. But it actually includes, they say, the conclusion of the Qur'an in there. Because the main themes of the Qur'an. If you understand Surah Al-Fatiha well, then you've understood the main message of the Qur'an. Surah Al-Fatiha does a number of other things. Before we get to that, let me just go through the other names. It's also called As-Sab'ul Mathani, the seven off-repeated verses. This is as mentioned in a hadith that you've been given As-Sab'ul Mathani, which is the seven repeated verses. Now, there's no question about that. I mean, we, we know that in our prayer, which is obligatory upon believers, how many times a day are we supposed to be reading Fatiha? Has anybody done the maths? Even if you just look at the faraid of the day, which is two, uh, two times in fajr of the fardh at least, and then four, so that's, uh, that's six there, then asr, um, well, we, we don't actually do, we, we don't, let's just say that even if you, okay, we'll just say all four because I mean only in the first two it's necessary, but that's going to get too complicated for, for Ramadan, so let's just keep it at six plus four, that's ten. And then there's another three, that's 13, and then another four, and that is 17. Minimum 17 times, that's minimum. It's minimum. Then the sunnahs and everything else, Fatiha has to be in every Salat. In fact, in the sunnahs, it has to be in every Raka'ah, in the Fard, it only has to be in the first two out of necessity. Allah is telling us to recite this surah over and over again. One of the major themes in there is mercy. One of the major themes in there is mercy, that Allah is Rahman and Rahim. uses two of these great names in there, after telling us who He is. So it's says, al number Mathani. Number four, the, another name for Surah Al-Fatiha is the Shafi'ah. I don't know if we've ever used it, but that's its name. And that's what we're supposed to be doing, that we're supposed to be using the Fatiha when we have an issue. We have an issue, of our family has an issue, children have an issue, recite the Fatiha and blow, that's how powerful it is. One of the Sahaba's famous story, there was a group of Sahaba that were traveling, Abu Sa'id they were traveling and they went into the Bedouin areas, into the remaining areas of other tribes in the Arabian Peninsula. And it was in those days it was actually a tradition of the time that whenever anybody came to your city, your town, not city but your town or your village, you had to provide them, you had to provide hospitality, it was a social obligation. They came to this one area and for some reason They refused to provide them any hospitality. So, as they were about to leave eventually, some person came running out that our leader has been afflicted. He's been afflicted by something, a spell, right? Some kind of sorcery, whatever it was, maybe an evil eye, whatever the case was. Do any of you know how to do ruqiyah? Are any of you a raqi? Basically, do any of you know how to recite something? It was, a, it was a known thing in those days to be able to do this. So one person said, yes, we can do this. But you will have to pay us. You'll have to give us some hospitality. They were, basically recla- they were claiming their hospitality. So he recited Surah Al-Fatiha on them, uh, on the person. Mashallah, he became, he became better. They gave them some hospitality. They came back to the Prophet and they were worried of whether this was a lawful income or not. And the Prophet said, absolutely, give me some of it as well. So he recited Fatiha. Fatiha is very powerful. The next time you have an issue like that, recite the Fatiha. Because it's a Shafi'i, its name is the shafiya. Number, the, the next one is called the Kafi, it's the sufficient. And thus, you have uh, numerous experiences of people reciting this in times of need and it's sufficing for them, the barakah that you get from them. There's a barakah that comes from Fatiha. The reason is that there's a dua in there. And there are praises of Allah using some of His greatest names and some of His greatest characteristics to, call, to say that all praise belongs to Allah. It's massively strong. I mean, there's no doubt about the strength in there. It's also the wafi, the complete. The complete in the sense that it, in, it could be said in a number of ways, but one of the things that it completely encompasses, it completely encompasses the message of the Qur'an. The message of Allah, the message of the Qur'an is the message of Allah to mankind maybe that's why we've been told to reflect over it because if we are t- really to imbibe imbue and infuse the message eventually after reciting it so many times a day then inshallah we will become much greater people the next name of it is called suratul hamd the praise because it has such a great it starts off with the great praise of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and basically the theme is all about that about us in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the whole, it's all about dependency on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then it's called the asas, the foundation because again, it acts as the foundation of the rest of the Quran as well, and it's also called the ruqya, the remedy though that meaning you get through the the Fatiha anyway, and to be honest if somebody has enough yaqeen, the Fatiha is sufficient in terms of a ruqya, if somebody has that yaqeen and understanding the power of the Fatiha if you look at the message it gives several different messages firstly it talks about the purpose of one's life what do we understand I mean let's let's have an interactive session here what do we understand as being the purpose of life understood through the Fatiha what are we understanding as the purpose of life what is the major idea mentioned in suratul fatiha that tells us the purpose of our life where does it tell us that <laughs> That's what we're here for. It tells us number one that only you can, only Allah, we can worship. There's no other deity worthy of worship. And not only do we just do that, but it adds to that that we are in need of Him for everything because only Him we can seek assistance from. Because we as human beings are needy, just by our very nature. The human being has been created weak. Basically dependent. And that dependency has to be on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If it's on everybody else but on not on Allah, then the person is completely misguided in that regard. So that's the purpose of life. Then clearly within that it talks about one servitude to Allah. Uh, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدْ وإياك نستعين And thus here we're saying that all of our devotion can only be to you. We can't express devotion to anybody else. Only you are worthy of our devotion. One's belief and commitment is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And again, the same thing we're saying, we're making that declaration. One's reliance is on Allah alone. It's just, this seems to be the crux of that. Our dependence is on you. Then we make the dua. One's journey is towards him. Where do we get that from? Maliki he's the sovereign of the day of judgment. We are all expected to be there If we're going to say he's a sovereign of the day of judgment The idea is that we agree with the day of judgment The idea is that we will be there as well Thus what proves that is then we're making a dua that's relevant that make us of those who your bounty is showered upon So that we can be of the lucky ones of the fortunate ones that on the day of judgment. It's a good situation for us and then once role models in this world who should be the role model in this world how does the fatiha tell us that for that you need a bit of corroboration from another verse but basically it's an'amta alayhim here it's brief but in another place ma alladhina an'ama allah alayhim min an nabiyyin wa siddiqin wash-shuhada'i was-salihin wa hasuna ulai ka rfiqa that is the favor from allah that is the favor from allah so basically saying that the ones who you have showered your blessings upon, who we want to be among, we're asking for a big thing here. We're asking for the likes of the Prophets. We can't be Prophets, but we don't mind being in their company. Prophets, Siddiqeen. These are basically the champions of truth. These are the people who are 100% truthful, not just in what they say. See the word Siddiq is an intensive form of Sadiq. Sadiq is the one who tells the truth all the time, hardly ever lies, doesn't lie, tries not to lie at all. But Siddiq is somebody who is every pore in his body, every cell in his body is true to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Very few people get to that stage, you know, because Siddiqiyah is a level of wilaya. In fact, the highest level of wilaya is Siddiq, according to Siddiqiyah, according to the... The, the scholars of uh, Sufism, Tasawwuf, or whatever, you know, in pure Tasawf, they will say that when a person ascends, ascends, ascends with a dhikr, so on, the highest level, if they can give it a name, is called Siddiqiyya. We get that from the Quran. Basically, saying that the, the, the level after which it's prophecy, which no, no other human can be given unless they've been invited to be a prophet by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the highest level anybody else can reach is Siddiqiyya. And mashallah, we have one man who was actually given the title. How can he be criticized? How can he be criticized? Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. He's basically given the title of the highest level of spirituality, just below prophecy that anybody could receive. That's why he is who he is, he's a Siddiq. And the Prophet sallallahu gave him that title because he was somebody who submitted to the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with every part of his body. Whether it was his wealth, whether it was his self, whether it was his family, everybody was dedicated for the Prophet. ﷺ. Others dedicated as well, but the hundred percent that he was able to contribute and offer, nobody else was able to do that. And that's why he becomes a sibiq. It was much more difficult for him to agree that the Prophet ﷺ actually went on an ascension than for us to agree today it, to be honest it is much easier for us to believe in the miraj today than it was for anybody to believe in those days why because in those days they in a in a night they could hardly go from uh, you know in in one night they could probably hardly travel from makkah to medina munawwara right that was impossible in one night today in one night you, you could go much further and w- you know we haven't maybe got in one night to the moon maybe maybe it takes a bit longer than that I'm not sure exactly how long it takes but we've been beyond the world we've been beyond this globe this earth so for us to basically see how things are going and it's only in the last decades that we've been able to do this so you can see with the trajectory of the way things are going that they've been to I mean they have sent a, a rover to the Mars they've had other sat- satellites and other things go beyond that Mi'raj. Right. Can you see how it becomes now within the realm of probability? So for us to understand, okay, that's a possibility. But for Abu Bakr, said, if he says so, I agree with it. Can you imagine the level of veracity that he had? That's what you call Siddiqiyya. maan Nabino Siddiqeen. May Allah grant us siddiqiyah I know it's a big du'a, right? And I know it's a very empty du'a, but you know, because our actions are not like that. But may Allah give us that, especially during this month, because the door, it's an open house in Jannah, right? Right now in, in, in Ramadan, it's an open house. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is at His most generous. We understand that from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa He mentions that the, the most generous the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa was ever, ever, ever seen or uh, experienced was in Ramadan when he would be reading the Qur'an with Jibreel alayhi wa Ajeeb, that, that situation just made him more generous. If that's how he is generous, then imagine how generous Allah is in the Quran. Forget that. Can you, have you seen how much people give in Ramadan? Have you seen how much donation people provide in Ramadan? How much relief work takes place in Ramadan? Right? How many handouts people provide? How much assistance provide? That's people who only, has a, who only have a fraction of the generosity. So if that's the generosity of the people in Ramadan, can you imagine the generosity of Allah in the month of Ramadan? I mean, just think about it that way. right? Every day, that's why we've got people collecting every day, and we feel like giving every day, and we should give every day. right? If, if, even if that's a bit, a measured amount, we should give every day. Right? But if you want more, then just put your hand in your pocket and give. And you will see that Allah will replace it many-fold afterwards. Because He is, subhanAllah, if that was the Prophet ﷺ, then imagine Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala how generous He is during this month. So it's not far fetched that He gives us siddiqiyah, shuhada, saliheen, hasuna ulaiqa rafika. These people are the best of companions for us to have. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. In many cultures around the world, not necessarily in the Asian culture, but after every dua they do a fatiha. And the idea of the fatiha, they say al fatiha. Initially, when I first was exposed, I said al fatiha. So what is that? Is that an announcement of some sort? But eventually, what it is, I saw everybody reading. Essentially, the idea is that we read Fatiha as a Wasila. So it's also called a Wasila. Which basically means that the Fatiha is such a powerful surah, it incorporates so much greatness in it, a dua, etc. But when you make a dua and you read Fatiha, it's the du'a of Allah, because Allah revealed that. Inshallah, the rest of your du'as will also be accepted. So that's a tradition. It's not necessarily from the Qur'an, Sunnah, directly like that, but it's a tradition in many countries in the Middle East and other places. At the end of the du'a, will say, Fatiha, and there's nothing wrong with that in that sense, unless you think it's an obligation. Then it may be considered a bid'ah, but they don't think it's an obligation, they take it as a barakah. Now, to finish off, because uh, there's no end to this, but I want to leave us something which is very important. And basically this is a regimen, a simple regimen, a luxurious regimen, that doesn't require us to do too much. See, because one is that if you want to reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you want to purify, your, you want to connect yourself to Allah, then there are many exercises, there are many endeavors, there are many physical endeavors that you can do by basically, we're already staying hungry in Ramadan, alhamdulillah, right? Though... MashaAllah, we do indulge, many people do tend to indulge because the best of foods come out at iftar and we try to basically do qadha of basically all that we've missed. So that, shouldn't be the, that should not be the tradition. But the main thing is that to give a basically luxurious royal regimen of getting close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Very simple. It's the message of Fatiha. What is the message of fatiha Again, we've got so many messages in fatiha but this is looking from another perspective. There are two main themes in fatiha The first theme is from Alhamdulillahi Rabbi al-Alamin, rahman rahim Maliki Yumid Din. Right? Iya can abdu wa Iya can istighin, ihdin mustaqim can wa Iya can can be connected to either. The second theme is ihdin al-sirat al-mustaqim. What would we call the first, starting from Alhamdulillah, Rabbil what would we call that major theme? What's the main word there? What's the major theme there that we would say? Pray. Praise. It is essentially praise. That's the first theme of Fatiha. The second theme from, from al-Sirat al-Mustaqim until the end is what? Prayer. Is prayer, dua, supplication. Essentially two themes. Inshallah, as many ulama have mentioned, if you just focus on these two themes, right? You do your faraid and everything, but you just add this to the rest of your obligations and you know avoidances. Insha'Allah, you will get very close to Allah. Essentially, a life of praise and prayer, praise and prayer, that will get you closer to Allah. That sounds like a a major. M- that sounds very optimistic. You just praise Allah. And just keep making dua to him and you'll get close to him. Uh, what about all the difficulties, or all the sabr and the, all that? This is talking about shukr only, not even about sabr. Because essentially praise is shukr, is gratitude. So essentially the idea of praise is gratitude, is shukr. The Prophet want, uh, wants us to make shukr of Allah for even the smallest of things. Allah wants us to do shukr of His for even the smallest of things. That's the difficulty. It's easy, but it's difficult to do shukr of everything. If you're, you tied your shoelace properly, do shukr of Allah. So the simplest things like that. You've got a nice pair of shoes. You've got, forget a nice pair of shoes. You've got shoes on your feet. Do shukr of Allah. Is that easy to do? I think the only time we do shukr is when somebody reminds us, or when something so major happens, like, man, I better give some thanks now, right? You know, I've been waiting for this upgrade in this job, this promotion in this job, or I've been waiting for the new alhamdulillah. You know, maybe then we may remember if we're lucky. But to do shukr for every small thing, right? And then to make dua to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to ask Him. So, for example. The reason that du'as are going to take us to Allah is very simple. Because whenever you make a du'a, you're remembering Allah. A du'a is to Allah. Alhamdulillahi <laughs> at'amana wa saqana wa ja'alana muslimin. All praise is to Allah, who fed us and gave us to drink, made us of the muslimin, made us muslims, made us submitters, made us his people. Wake up in the morning, Alhamdulillah <laughs> alladhi ahyana. بَعْدَمَا أَمَاتَنَا وَإِلَيْهِ النُّشُورِ All praises to Allah who gave us life after death. After He had given us death at night, we didn't know we were going to wake up. Sleep is the sister of death. Many people disappear in their sleep, never to come back. And to Him is the return eventually anyway. So we've, okay, we've come out of another day of sleep, Alhamdulillah, but eventually we're going to get to Him. There's no escape from that. Can you see where du'a and shukr are coming together now? But what's the purpose of du'a and shukr? What is the purpose of gratitude and and du'a for everything? Shaitan doesn't want us to do that. Shaitan doesn't want us to thank Allah. He wants us to take things for granted. He wants us to feel entitled. He wants to make us feel like we deserve this. We don't deserve it. To be honest, sitting in the masjid right now, is already a grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because there are so many other people who have not had that opportunity. So the fact that we can be sitting here in Ramadan to be benefiting from the mercies of this house, that is in itself. Allah will give us the tawfiq to raise our hands. That in itself shows that He's giving us a gift already. Shaitan doesn't want us to do that. And that's why in the Qur'an in numerous places, min ibadiy عِبَادِيَ shakur. Very little, very small amount, very minimal amount of my servants are truly gr- grateful. Um, there are so many other verses. <coughs> What's another verse? La um, Tajidu أكثرهم شاكري Shaitan is saying you're not going to find the majority of them grateful. The way I'm going to play with them and dis. Um, make them heedless and distract them, you're not going to find the majority of them to be thankful. Believe me, you just thank Allah, thank Allah, thank Allah. So now, how does that get you closer to Allah? Okay, we're doing what shaitan doesn't like, we're thanking Allah. But how does shukr, thanking Allah, praising Allah, thanking Allah, and dua, how does it get us to be successful? The reason is that essentially at the base of all of this, is that we're doing this for Allah, it's a reminder of Allah. The more we're going to do shukr, the more we'll be reminded Allah is grateful to us. The more His gratitude, the more His greatness, the more His benevolence will come into our mind. Then inshallah, that should have an effect on everything else that we do. It's just a regimen. Some people have actually, some Sufi orders have actually told, have instructed their people to go through shukr and dua as a message of Fatiha. While others, they do it through other means. Each, each, each one uses a different means and they're always to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as, they, as, as long as they're done right and correctly. So in this case, if you do enough and you remember Allah for everything. You get in your car, you move, you basically turn the corner, you see something good, everything is shukr. You're going to be constantly remembering Allah. And what, a li- what life is there better than a person who remembers Allah all the time? That's all you need. Because when you're remembering Allah, we're probably going to do less sins. Because remembering Allah, Allah is we're conscious. It's taqwa, taqwa, God consciousness. But that's the difficulty. It's easy to say shukr. It's easy to do it in the sense that there's no effort. Uh, it's not difficult. It doesn't. It's not. It's not intense. But the reminder to do it is difficult. And then of course du'as. The du'a is to ask Allah for everything. That shows our need for Allah. And the Hadith says that the du'a is ibadah. The du'a is worship. I could never understand that before because I thought du'a was a selfish act of petitioning for something I want. Oh Allah, give me this and give me that. How can that be a worship? I'm asking something for myself. But then the reason is that when we do that, we've, we've made a few conclusions, haven't we? We've drawn a few conclusions. We've, made certain, uh, we've basically made a few judgments. The only reason I'm asking Allah is because I can't ask anybody else. Because it's easy to ask somebody else, because I can see my, something might come, I may be able to really plead with him. And I can see from the reaction that if I can convince him a bit more, push him a bit more, you know, encourage him, but with Allah, I can't do that, I have to just do it all by myself. So when you do that with Allah, it shows that you've recognized Him. It shows that you've got tawakkul on Allah. So suddenly you've incorporated within that tawakkul suddenly comes in, it has to be. right? Can you see how everything comes together just through focusing on those, these two things? so we weren't saying that do these things at the expense of everything else or while eliminating everything there's no way you can just exclusively do these two this is just the point that when you do these two inshallah everything else will fall together we just need an entry point so when we've recognized that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one from whom i can get everything iyaka nasta'een so i'm asking allah i am asking allah subhanahu wa ta'ala For everything that I want. So yes, I'm going to get my selfish petitioning and whatever request I have, insha'Allah. But at the the base of it is that I have remembered Allah. At a time when I'm supposed to remember Him. When most people forget and they use other means and facilities. I would say that that is one of the major practical lessons of Surah Al-Fatiha. Right. One of the major practical, uh, practical lessons of Surah Al-Fatiha. Otherwise, there are many, many other lessons. But that for today, inshaAllah, should, uh, should suffice. Let us use this then the rest of the days of Ramadan, inshaAllah, for increasing our shukr for everything. Just sit and just think everything that Allah has given us and is giving us. And keep remembering Him. Learn the du'as that are there for waking up, for sleeping, for eating, for iftar. Iftar has Allahumma inni laka wa bika amant Wa ala rizqika aftart Aftartu basically means I have fasted for you O Allah Allahumma inni laka sumt And bika amant Why have I fasted for you? Because I believe in you And it's upon your sustenance Again shukr is incorporated in here It's on your sustenance That I've just made the iftar When should you read this dua by the way Before iftar, after iftar Or in the middle of iftar When should you read this? In the middle, do you think? Anybody else? Before. How many minutes before? Because there could be various opinions on that as well, right? It's quite closely. It has to be right then when you put... It has to be there? Okay. There is a narration that in the, the, the... You see, there's the other du'a which is... ذَهَبَ وَثَبَتَ Basically means... That's more of a a kind of a practical expression of what's happened, which basically means the thirst has finally gone away. I don't say finally, but the thirst has disappeared. And the veins, the bodily, has been basically fluids have basically come back into the body. And the reward has become established. The reward has become established. When do you think that dua should be recited? Now clearly that should be recited afterwards, right? The other one, ulama say either before, in the middle, or afterwards. It doesn't matter. Some say actually before is good. Some say in the middle. Some say it doesn't make a difference. So the first dua, inni lakasum, can be done at any time. But the second one, ذهب dhamma, preferably afterwards, because it's stating a state, right? It's mentioning a state, which generally happens. But then it depends on when, you know, at the end of the day, you could say after you finish your iftar in the masjid of just dates and water. It doesn't have to be done after you've stuffed your stomach at home afterwards. You see what I'm saying? So that's the main message of Surah Al-Fatiha. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tawfiq, especially during this month. وَآخِرُ ومنك السلام تبارك تيال الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حنان منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك Kunna كنا من الظالمين يا ذا الجلال والإكرام الله عنا محمدما هو أهله. Oh Allah, Lord يا كريم يا أرحم الراحمين أو oh We ask you for your grace. We ask you for your special benevolence during this month. أو oh Allah Your generosity especially during this month, knows no bounds. If there are so many humans acting so generously during this month, O Allah, then imagine the level of your generosity. O Allah, do not make us of those who are deprived of this generosity. When your generosity is so magnanimous, so great and so vast during this month, if we're to be deprived, then this would be a real deprivation for us. O Allah, do not write us to be of the dejected ones to be of the deprived ones. O oh Allah, write us of the fortunate ones during this month. Oh Allah, write us of those who will be written as emancipated from the hellfire at night in the nights of Ramadan. Oh Allah, make this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it for us. Oh Allah, make this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it. For, for us and O oh Allah, allow us to continue with the blessings of Ramadan even after Ramadan. O oh Allah, allow us to have many more Ramadans after this. Allow us to take the greatest benefit from every moment of this Ramadan. O oh Allah, when your doors of mercy, forgiveness, benevolence, generosity are open, O oh Allah, we ask that you grant us the greatest share of this for ourselves and our families. O oh Allah, we ask you for your mercy. We ask You for Your forgiveness from all the sins we have committed. All the wrongs and excesses that we have to our name. Oh Allah, we ask that You purify us. Oh Allah, that You grant us of Your love during this month of Ramadan. That You fill our heart with the love of Your obediences. And You create dislike in our heart for Your disobediences. Oh Allah, otherwise it is so difficult. Oh Allah, we make dua in the morning and by the evening our tawbah and repentance has been broken. O Allah, we make it at night time, but by the morning it is broken. O Allah, how long can we continue this way? O Allah, we ask that you have your mercy upon us. These souls who are sitting here, those who are listening, O Allah, the rest of the Muslim world, O Allah, we are your servants. O Allah, we recite the Fatiha every day. O Allah, we recite your words every day. O Allah, accept this surah from us. O Allah, accept this surah from us. O Allah, imbibe us with the essence of this surah. O Allah, allow us the shukr and the dua. Allow us, give us a life of shukr and dua. O Allah, give us a life of thankfulness, gratitude and supplication to you. O Allah, allow us to only depend on you and not to anyone else. O Allah, we ask that you send abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad ﷺ. Grant us his company in the hereafter. wa